SNC podcast episode 47. Yeah. 47-ish. Yeah. <laughs> um, you got it covered. <laughs> we have Frank Martin here. So, yeah. Who are you and what do you do? Besides, you know, your, your name, because I, I just mentioned that. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a person. I'm a human being. I grieve a lot. No. I, um, I'm an author and comic writer. I write bro- both um, prose, short stories, novels, in addition to writing comics and creating comics. Um, all sorts of genres. I don't kind of stick to one. I write uh, horror, fantasy, thrillers, sci-fi, comedy, you name it. I kind of try to dabble in it. And uh, right now I have a horror book on Kickstarter that I'm, that I'm talking about and uh, people seem to be responding well to. So I'm, I'm kind of glad because it's, it's super weird. Well, you kind of like answered one of my questions that I actually had bullet point things. So that's well, cool. well, ask it anyway. And I'll, eh. Oh, it was, um, so you just like the horror genre, but so I just like <laughs> you genre. just, and you just uh, answer. I like it all. No, yeah, seriously, I do kind of like everything. And that's and that's just not for just uh, stories and fiction. Like I kind of like like music too. I kind of like everything. Kind of dabble into to whether it's rap or rock or country or jazz or classical or whatever. So I, I don't know. I'm I, I'm I guess I'm like sort of a renaissance man. I don't. <laughs> there's nothing I really don't like. If it's good, I like it. That's kind of my motto. Kind of and just enjoy the arts in general. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's so much stuff I like prefer over others. Like I could only handle so much romantic comedy. But like if if, if somebody says, my wife says, let's watch this movie. I'm not going to be like, no, I'm not kind of into that. And yeah. There's tons of romantic comedies that are kind of silly and funny and grab my attention. So I'm, I don't just automatically dismiss something just because it's not in my wheelhouse. Yeah, sometimes if I mention that to like my brothers or something, they're like, oh yeah, I've watched that movie. And they're like, what? <laughs> I can't <laughs> think of one right now that's not super girly, but yeah. yeah I mean, they exist. There, there are some romantic comedies that kind of try to cater to the, the male side of the audience, the husband that was dragged to the yeah. theater, so they're out there like the adam sandler ones like what was it 50 first dates? oh yeah like 50 first dates 50 Seven. first dates was fairly was pretty funny yeah, yeah. Um, then so there's that um what's the wedding that? singing there's one with um <laughs> this is war with uh what's his name tom hardy and somebody else they're like they're two ki- contract killers but they're fighting over a girl or something oh, so there's like a whole bunch of action it was kind of a dumb movie but it was like they tried to make a romantic comedy out of something that was not. Sneeze. I'm bad. Yeah, I like basically any genre of like comics, music. No, uh, I don't like rap. Except for like, well, I guess I can't say I don't like rap. I like Dylan's brother's music. <laughs> Cause that, that's like getting into like the EDM hip hop. Yeah. yeah. But I don't like just you know, for no reason and stuff like that. You don't like gangster rap. Though. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, rap has evolved significantly over time. I'm not. A, I'm not a big fan of the so uh, quote unquote rap that they put out these days. Yeah, the trap. Uh, or, or or like that uh, song that just came out. Uh, is it called WAP? WAP? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good. I will never listen to that song. Uh, I don't like mm-hmm. the one girl that's in it. Um, I don't know the other one. And uh, yeah, Cardi B. Yeah, I don't. I don't like that. The one, the one who got famous and then was like, "Yeah, I used to drug men and steal their money." And then like, <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure you're still within like the legal boundaries of getting in trouble for that kind of stuff. <laughs> Bragging about it. I don't know if that's a good look. <laughs> Greg, what's the next bullet point? Uh, yeah, I'm actually pulling that up because, um, yeah, Zoom is fun. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, you do, like, a lot of one-shots. Um, is that, like, because yeah. it, you, the, whatever you write and create, is it just for one-shot, or is it, like, not don't Not play? necessarily. I mean, I made the mistake of my very first comic project as a uh, wide-eyed creator. 
uh, I wanted to do a six inch issue series because I don't know for some reason six issue is like the magic number as yeah. far as when you when you, you talk about mainstream comics or big two or whatever. Uh, I had a six issue story. I wrote the entire script for every single issues and I tried to produce it and I had no idea what I was doing and I kind of ran face first into a wall. So from there, I took the advice that everybody says after that, which now I give to people because it's the right thing is you start small. You start with short stories and one shots, self-contained stuff that you can kind of get in, tell your story and get out. And I really like that. Not that that's what I stick to, but there's something to be said about having a, a single issue comic, not like a graphic novel, but a single issue where the story is just within that cover, you know, beginning and end. And there's also a practical side to that too, where if you're trying to kickstart a crowdfund or trying to launch it, uh, there's something to be said about telling, pitching a book that it's the book. You know, it's not like this is the book and then it's going to be finished in the next issue that's six months away, you know? It's something good about that finality that um, I, you're going to buy this product and it and this product is the product. It's not going to continue on. It's not going to have an add-on or whatever. So, uh, yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of different reasons. Like, I, I like the one shot. Oh, okay. Because uh, I plan on doing, at least I know right now, one one shot. And it's based on our, this serial killer character that's in our universe million other characters and, and that's a cool thing about one shots too is that it doesn't necessarily have to be standalone i mean you can do a one shot within a universe and it could all be connected and you can say look this is the story this is it you can read this comic and be satisfied however if you like what we're doing here it can there's a whole bunch of other stuff that could appeal to you that you can grab and you can expand from there so it's yeah, there's different, there's a whole bunch of different ways to do it. And especially, that's why anthologies are such a big hit in comics, because um, they're essentially tiny one-shots grouped together, you know? Yeah. Uh, there's one guy that I know that doesn't like anthologies or horror, so I sent him the link, and I was like, <coughs> what the fuck? <clears throat> I sent him the link, and uh, he's like, oh, yeah, I don't like anthologies or horror. I was like, you like this book, so just read it anyway. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but it's just cool. It probably gives you a lot more freedom to like, you know, be creative too, because you're not restricted by the fact that you're trying to set something else up. Like the the whole setup is the single comic. I mean, yeah, you have. I, that, that's also the tricky thing that uh, creators that are that don't have a whole lot of experience writing stories they get they get stuck into. They think that the setup and the story are two different things. You know, first I have to introduce the characters to you and then I have to tell you the story that these characters are in. And for when you're telling, a, especially a short story, like eight pages, no, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. You have to mix the two. You have to, right from the get-go, you've got to introduce these people and make uh, the reader care about them as you're telling the story at the same time. Because comics is all about resource management, like time and space and pacing. You only got so many panels. You only got so many pages. So uh, don't waste them. Yeah, we, we, that was something we came across with our um, one of our solo series, Inc. And we kind of uh, we kind of like told us like who he was by you know with the visuals, and then we kind of had a narration over the top catching you up on what was going on. And that's kind of how we led that story along, which is it seemed to work because like that that one uh, you know. Once people were done with that story, the very first question was like, when's the next one coming out? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's always the best. Um, that's the best question. When it, you really know somebody likes your, uh, your book or your story, the best compliment is not that I liked it. It's like, what's next? You know, because if they, if they keep going back to it, they, I mean, I very rarely does somebody read something and they're just going to flat out tell you, yeah, I didn't like it, you know? usually people are too nice to kind of yeah, find something like like yeah <laughs> I actually yeah, it was good it was good it was good it was okay <laughs> and so you really you get a lot more pride from what's next what's the when's the next one this is a follow-up <laughs> especially with this book because uh the, the book i have in kickstarter it doesn't end on let's let's just say the most even or of of notes so a lot of the, the first question everybody asks is, uh, when's number two coming out? And I'm like, no, it's the one shot. That, that's it. 
<laughs> you're gonna you have to you're gonna have to be happy with what you got. They're like, no. So. Nice. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very interesting story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I uh I was heavily influenced by like Are You Afraid of the Dark growing up. Mm. And a lot of those end on those kind of beats, those kind of notes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Cause it does. It has. It just has that like you know uncomfortable feeling at the end where you're like, what, what did I just go through? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and you know yeah. So watching Are You Afraid of the Dark, those are have trained me a little bit. I just I watched the entire series as a kid. I loved it, and I grabbed it on DVD. I have the first two seasons on DVD. I just watched them all with my kids, and I didn't even realize it uh after watching all the seasons i'm like this show has really influenced me for like my entire life in writing because it's got it's got everything it has horror it's got sci-fi episodes it's got fantasy episodes so it really it really allowed me to to dabble in everything and influence me with everything and they're they're essentially it's an anthology show so it's really there are one shots all of them you know they just they get in they introduce you to the characters they take you through the characters experience and then they conclude it in some fashion or another so um so yeah if you want to that that's the moral of the story if you want to learn how to write uh, one-shot comic books binge watch are you free to talk? i was about to say that actually is probably a great way to get experience through a lot of things very quickly because they're also short stories they're not that long so like you know you, you can get like a bunch of stuff you know, absorb it quickly and then move on and then let that like, you know, just sit in the back of your head. And if you're, you know, if you're a creative, you're, you know, something will pop pop in your mind later just from, you know, having like those weird, awkward endings. And then you're just like, oh, like, but what if this, but what if that, like. Yes, I mean, they, what's the famous saying? Uh, Art is never finished, it's only abandoned. And and some writers have have a problem with that, especially novelists that I talk to that that focus on longer form mediums, and they get asked to write a short story for an anthology, and they they trip over their own feet because everything needs to be long. I gotta expand the scene. I gotta I gotta I gotta write more. I gotta do more character. And I'm like, no, this is only supposed to be X amount of words. You you just gotta write it and you gotta leave it, and that's you gotta kind of be happy with with that. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky thing for people that are that are used to long drawn out things. Which in comics, uh, in in the very beginning, the the golden age, the silver age, you know, at those original Spider-Man books, they had two two stories in every book. You know, they were short; they were really short. And nowadays, the typical Spider-Man story is like six issues long or four issues long or whatever. So, um, as far as storytelling goes, uh, comics has really evolved and changed over time, but. I still think the the strongest narrative tools for comics are, are short shorter stories. Yeah, no, that's the that's definitely uh, something that we got to work on with our stories. <laughs> After um, like just so much, so much into one story, uh, it's probably like I was telling Greg that once we get to uh, editing our third issue, because our for, so the first issue of our Seer Chronicles, the like the flagship story basically we did too much in in it and so now that we're rewriting it we're like expanding it so it's gonna be much closer to like a graphic novel just because the there there wasn't a good way to get all of it in there at once because we did too much in one issue where we probably could have broken that into two issues and that would have been a lot cleaner um and then the same with the second issue like based on the fact that we set so much stuff up in the first issue we had we had to bring it back at least a little bit in all of these different aspects um but the third issue i i know greg uh, already sliced it himself but i'm thinking the same thing is we're gonna have to chop it up even more so that it's a more consumable one and honestly just make it like you know, so that there's probably two issues out of what we would normally have as one of these big issues. Those decisions are always tough when you have a story in mind and you have a vision for how it's going to be presented and you in realizing at some point down the line, this isn't going to work. I need to restructure it. I need to refit it because you're just you have you get tunnel vision a little bit. And especially sometimes that's why editors are so important because they break you from that that train track that you're on of developing something, say, look, this is going to be better if you just either break it up or if you, you move something that's important. So it's, yeah, it's definitely hard 
sometimes when you have such a fixed idea in your mind or a fixed vision about how something's going to go to, to, to alter it or change it halfway. Yeah. yeah. Our uh, third issue, when I was writing it, I actually wrote a lot <laughs> to the point of like, oh, wow, this like stuff isn't relevant for issue three. Like all of it's relevant. But it's like, Are you talking about dialogue or just the whole entire story? Is a, the is a story. Uh, like there's there's a, like a whole other scene that d- doesn't need to be in there. So I, like I took that out and that is for issue four now. So like there's this like business opening in the city, but that doesn't need to be, even be in the third issue because the third issue mostly is <laughs> going to be like depressing. So third issue is like a funeral and like there's other things that happen in it, but like there's character development within that. So there's a, you get to meet a few people, like um, one of the main characters, uh, his brother, and then there's, he's a douchebag. And then you get to meet a couple other people that um, you don't know anything about, or you kind of know them from the first issue, but they're, they're growing and yeah, I like it. (laughs) I mean, that, that's kind of the cool thing about comics is because even though you're editing and removing stuff, the good idea is to never cut anything. You know, you just, you, you take it out, you put it in a folder and you never, and you recycle, you never know when something's going to use. So the last thing you want to do is, is hit delete. You would just want to move it oh, yeah. to move it somewhere else and, and find another place for it. So that's kind of the good thing about, uh, about comics. You can pick and choose and move things around and it's, and it's a lot easier to do that rather than let's say like a movie you can't really like shoot a scene and then try to yeah put this in the sequel it's a little it could be a little trickier yeah and no, I, that, yeah we've done that a couple of times too where like greg greg's written out some stuff i'm like this this is going too far off the path we're gonna save this for another time <laughs> just like move it away yeah i do a lot of writing uh i, I asked you about dialogue because because i letter my own books and i tend to write too much dialogue for comics <laughs> yeah I, uh... it, it's easier when i'm lettering my book because i could just i'm saying to myself yeah i'll just worry about cutting it when i letter because that's they get i kind of get lazy like that when i'm doing the actual script oh i uh the beginning of writing it all out uh there's it's still coming up it's like in probably it'll be in like issue six or some four five whatever and um it's this thing called the billionaire ball and this one dude has like a monologue. <laughs> it's just a page. And Dylan's like, that's too long. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> we have to cut that when we get to it. Yeah, well, comics are, yeah, walls of text are tricky in comics. And But if you have a speech that you really feel needs to be given, you got to find tricks or ways to communicate it without just a guy just standing there and just talking. Uh, now, like voiceover narration is kind of a great a great way to do that. You have a scene play out yeah. while he's talking. That's also a great uh, space too. You can kind of combine two scene, two scenes together. It will give you a whole a whole lot more pages to work with. Yeah, that's that's definitely what we did with the ink uh, comic. Was it was probably three pages of like over narration mm-hmm. uh, while you're just seeing like stuff play out, and it's stuff that we didn't like the the talking wasn't nearly as relevant as like just catching up with what like who this person is and what might happen and then like you know after after like this crazy dream sequence suddenly now we're in now we're like caught up and like moving along and now there's dialogue and it kind of ends the same way it begins with this inner dialogue through the narration again and it's uh it, it definitely helps you know just yeah storytelling with the panels while just telling people what's going on in uh, the dialogue. I was a big fan of um, the Nuff Said comics that, that Marvel puts out every once in a while, the silent comics without any dialogue. Um, I wrote a silent, a short silent comic. I think it was five pages that I think I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to produce soon. But yeah, it's just a great exercise for a writer to try to tell a story completely silent without any, without any dialogue. I think once you try to tackle that, um, that challenge you're going to appreciate it so much more when you go into a regular story with with dialogue i think you're going to come out with a newfound appreciation of the visual side of the medium and how and how uh, you can allow that to carry a lot of the work 
Yeah, especially in scripting because we're we're writers and we're lazy and we just write. Huge battle scene here. <laughs> oh, I I don't do that. I I'm <laughs> like, oh, so this person's gonna get kicked in the face, and obviously, like, we're gonna when there's like action scenes, we're actually like gonna choreographer uh, choreograph the like fighting scenes i'm not because but dylan is so dylan and like maybe his brother will be the guinea pig and they're gonna just like beat the shit out of each other for the sake of comics <laughs> yeah, it's, it's something that like we we eventually have a plan for you know video we want to do you know like a tv series or, or film and so like some of that stuff will be fun for that and then for other you know for the purpose of like comics though it's going to be fun and interesting trying to figure out how to capture those like scenes, those moments without it being, um, you know, obviously you, you can't really have like a full fight scene in a page of comic panels. Like, you know, what, what are you going to get six strikes and then it's done? Yeah. It's like, it's, it's gotta be something that seems like a lot, but it wasn't like, but it's very quick in a comic book world. So it, it is very interesting. Like, yeah, battle battle scene here <laughs> my my favorite um book that's out right now is is lazarus you guys familiar with it it's, it's a greg it's a it's a greg rucka book uh images produced it it's basically about it's a dystopian future where a bunch of families kind of uh control the world they're like they they're corporate families and they control the world and they have basically each family has like a champion that they call Lazarus that fights with each other. Mm. And then there's this, there's this great scene where all the families get together and one Lazarus challenges another Lazarus and the entire, I would say it's, I forget how long it is, maybe a 22 page book. Half of the book is a fight scene, like 11 pages of just a fight. And it was, and the way they did it, it was, it was great. It was phenomenal. I mean, that's kind of the first thing they tell you when you write fight scenes in comics. And it's like, don't let it last longer than three pages because it's boring. But it's one of those things where you could really tell a master of the craft that can, I can break that rule completely and not fall flat on their face. So it's, it, it's, it's always cool to kind of pull out something like that and study it and see how they do it and make it work. That, that is pretty awesome. I might, I might have to check that out because uh, that, that is something that I, I talk about. So my um, older brother's a music producer. So, you know, we talk with a lot of artists and I do marketing. So that's kind of like where I give, you know, my input. Um, and my brother gives, you know, all the musical input because he's a producer. So he, he does everything from the recording all the way till it's mastered. And when we're talking with some artists, like that's one of the things we talk about is that you need to first learn the rules of whatever artistry you're doing. Like if you're doing hip hop music, you need to know what the rules are and then learn where you want to break them because that's what makes you a good artist like everyone can follow the rules like there's 12 year olds who can play mozart better than mozart can play mozart and yet you know the thing that made him different is his thing his unique uh you know thoughts to even come up with that music so when it comes to comics it's like you have to know like here's the general rules and now what do I want to break so that it's uncomfortable, it's unique, it's scary, it's different. Yeah. And it's, you know, that's definitely a big deal. Yeah, the great, the great example is Picasso. When everything's Picasso, they think of all his crazy surrealism. But he started out as a traditional artist and he slowly worked his way to that point where everything looks wild and crazy. Well, and he's got that famous quote, the uh, good artist copy, great artist steal. And, and that's what he means. He's like, because the, the best, like if, if I was ever going to tell somebody who's like, oh, I want to become the best blank uh, and it's some creative thing, actually, honestly, almost of anything, it doesn't matter. I would be like emulate and copy exactly everything that the greats are doing. And along the way is when you find your voice, right? Because like it, it, you're eventually going to, you know, you know, do something slightly different than them. And if you copy enough of them, you'll have enough background and flavor that yours, your voice will stand out because it'll be the thing that, like, it'll be your weird connection between these different, uh, you know, artists and different, uh, you know, creators. Yeah, that fall, a lot of that goes to with, with prose writing. And they say, I, I have trouble writing. And I'm like, well, the first thing you need to do is you need to read because if you're going to start writing, you really need to see how your favorite author, you need to have a favorite author and see how they write and then try to emulate them, you know, try to copy their voice, their flow. And over time, you'll figure out what you like, what you don't like. And as you get more favorite artists, uh, authors, you'll kind of, their style will kind of seep into it too. So 
So yeah, you need to experience your craft and the people that are really good at it and and try to emulate them, copy them. And then before you know it, that's how you, you find your own way. So it goes for, it works for everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually share the screen to be Oh, look at that. Look at that. You're at three thousand one hundred eighty-six dollars. Oh, insane. look at that, Mike! There's nice. On ten days, that's cool. I am. Also, that panel think, threw me off. Of, I just passed mine. Uh, oh, that's. Yeah, that that particular <laughs> panel that actually took me a second I, to register what was going on. Like the dialogue definitely helped because I was. Like, I um. Wait. <laughs> I um I started a new thing for this campaign. I've started rotating my project images. So every I my campaign's running for four weeks. So after a week, I'm just putting a new project image in there. So uh, that's not the the project image I started with, but that's kind of a new thing. And I think I passed my my record for backer tutorials. Let me see. Oh, yeah, how many got I have 124 currently. Nice. But I think my last campaign had 123. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I did. Can can congrats to me. So that's that's a little a milestone that I'm happy about. That is awesome. Do you care about um backer count or um just you know people showing up? <laughs> and uh, uh I mean, personally, I care. I, if it had to be between funding, uh, funding and backer count, I actually prefer backer count, having a stronger one than a than a, than a huge funding total. I mean, obviously, I want to hit my goal because I want to I want to make the book. Yeah. But for the most yeah. part, uh, money runs out. You know, you could you could get money and you're going to spend it before you even know what's going on. But if you if you get get a whole lot of backers. That's people that are that are going to see your work, enjoy your work, and possibly continue on with you to the next one, which which I feel uh, is a hell of a lot more important than just uh, padding the numbers in the bank. Yeah, definitely. That, that was something that was pretty exciting for our not not the, our current running one, but the previous uh, Kickstarter. Like just seeing that our backer count was, yeah, we were beating our past records because it's nice it's like oh look we've gotten more fans since last time we've gotten more people to support us since last time and, and some of them are just like those random uh like do you ever look at your analytics and see where they come from i try to i think it's all over the place though it's it's kind of it's a little bit hard to measure i think one of the best ways to do it is kickstarter allows you to come up with your custom referral tags that's yeah. probably the, the best way to do it. Uh, I have it hooked up to, to Google Analytics, so I can I can see some of that, but I don't do it. I don't do it really as much as I probably should. Yeah, I think the coolest thing for us was um, we like we were totally backed by people that we directed there, but the the reason that we got so far over our goal is just the fact that we actually got a lot of Kickstarter people there, like people that we didn't promote to. But because we um, hit our numbers so quick, they put us on the front of a lot of pages and just like feeling like, yeah, just seeing like how many new people found us. And it's like, yeah, that definitely is cool. Yeah, Kickstarter has little things where you can kind of have a Kickstarter effect. Like whenever somebody backs your project, they send out an email to all their followers. So that that's where one of the things where success kind of breeds success and the, the, the backers can just kind of snowball and, and go from there. But it, it's also a it's, it's two sides of the coin, right? If you if you have a if you've hit a high backer count and you're kind of expecting that for your next project and you don't get there, it's it becomes super depressing really fast. So you're kind of like, where are all these people? Why aren't they coming? Well, That's I would I would say it's just you got to learn not to rest on your laurel. Uh, what is it? Laurels? Yeah, you don't want to be uh, you don't want to expect that. So you have to push harder the next time. And hopefully that will get that. Like, you know, so, you know, even if you had to work harder the next time and you still get the same number you did last time, like you should know, like you might get lucky, you know, but there's also, there's also a lot of stuff like uh, one of the things that Greg goes through is, you know, this checklist of like, Hey, here's all the stuff you should do before you launch. Here's the stuff you should do during your launch. And here's the stuff you should do following your launch. Um, and it's, it's definitely a, 
you know, it's a way to make sure you're not just like, you know, phoning it in. You want to make sure like, hey, you really should be doing all of these things before you launch. Just because your last one was successful. If you have 20 successful ones in a row, it doesn't matter. Like you want to make sure you still follow the same steps because the reason it was successful is because you followed these steps. Yeah, I was just thinking the other day that about Kickstarter tools and what you could use. And I was thinking the, my, my most important tool when I'm launching a Kickstarter is my calendar. Just, uh, you know, what I'm going to do every day, what I'm going to share, where I'm going to share it, who I'm talking to, what I'm posting, when I'm updating. So it's just keeping all that in line. So it's just not all floating around in the ether. What I got to do when I'm scrambling, having it planned out and the, the, the worst feeling is is struggling to to find backers and not knowing what to do next. You know, you because you can't just sit there and just hope for them to to roll in. And as long as you're taking action, as long as you're doing something, you kind of have a better feeling about yourself. Yeah. And and, and definitely a calendar really helps me uh, a, a stress stretch things out. So at least I'm taking some action every day rather than a day going by with me just kind of crossing my fingers and then hitting refresh a million times. Yeah. Um, I actually just said earlier today to uh, this guy, Aaron Dowen of Catalyst Comics. He has a Kickstarter on. Kickstarter. Yeah, he has, he has, he has a Kickstarter on Kickstarter right now. Yeah, Tilt. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I was like, I keep seeing you and Chuck like everywhere. He's like, oh, no, I, I don't know anybody. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And I'm like, well, what I'm going to do for every Kickstarter after this pre, uh, like one that's going on right now is actually schedule podcasts and just shows. Cause that's what Chuck did. And that's why he's everywhere. Yeah. I, I think I've spoken to done at least either one live stream or a podcast every day for like, I don't know, the last week and a half. Yeah. Oh, geez. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I do two a day. Yesterday I did two a day. Um, and then, and then it gets a little tricky because what day was it? I think it was maybe Thursday or Wednesday. I did one at like seven o'clock and then I did one with some guys that are on the West coast and they don't get off to work till late. So I had, it was at like 11 o'clock at night. I was talking to them and I didn't get off till like 1230. So, and yeah, if you're, and that's, that's kind of, that's kind of not that bad. I mean, if you're in Australia and you want to talk to a bunch oh, of yeah. American oh, uh, yeah. podcasters, you're waking up at like three 30 to get, yeah, I um, did like a live stream thing on Saturday out of, or I think it was Saturday or Friday, out of the blue, just because like something came in the mail that I was like really excited about. Um, it was for our uh, Kickstarter before this one, and we got like our dice in the mail. Nice. Um, it looks just like the die that like, that was drawn in the comic, which makes me really happy. Um, so I was like, oh, I'm going to show that off, and then I'll... Um, I think that's that's one of the the big things, especially for Facebook, is going live. I think the more you go live, the more you'll show up in the algorithm. Just not just your live feed, but all yeah. all your other stuff too, because they'll see this is a person who goes live, and that's something I don't do. I don't know why. I it's something I need to do more of. I just, this was like one of the first times I've done it because I'm used to talking now because I do we do two podcasts. Um, Dylan does 7,000 podcasts. Uh, yeah, I've got a problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm used to talking. I'm not used to talking by myself. I can't talk by myself. I, <laughs> if I talk by myself, I don't think people want to hear this voice. Uh, so I, I try to get at least one person on, um, like Chuck or Aaron. Aaron and uh, Matt came on, and they were talking. And we actually had a guy from Australia. So I was just like, oh, that's awesome. I uh i mean can you go facebook live with another person or yeah. do you have to yeah. stream or do you have to stream through somewhere no you, you stream yard or there's a yeah you can use like stuff like stream yard and that but i believe i don't know if it's on the phone i think you have to do it on the phone but there is a way to facebook live with somebody i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna do that and just invite somebody be like i don't need you to say anything i just need you to your face to be there and i'll just talk at you for the next 15 minutes no, it, it is funny though because yeah like greg, greg during our very first kickstarter which i don't the one that wasn't was that the one that wasn't successful we did that recording for the yeah. one that was super awesome yeah basically <laughs> uh 
I, I couldn't get Greg to not talk in a monotone voice. Oh, it was like, yeah, it was the unsuccessful. Like, like I'm like, <laughs> you're like, that's the reason it was unsuccessful. Like, oh, just, like, oh my god, it was like, I was like, I'm like, just talk normal. And he's like, this is my normal voice. I'm like, you gave me more zealous in that response than you did in the video. What do you mean? Like, <laughs> just, just read, you know, just learn the script and say it. Like, don't look at it anymore. Like, oh my god. Uh, yeah. So now Kickstarter videos, I don't really talk in them. I know you should, or you could. That's why we make animate. That's why we animate them now, so yeah. that doesn't have to talk anymore. Uh, Kickstarter had a live feature, and they they got rid of it. They used to have Kickstarter Live. Yeah. And and what was um, broadcast that is like on their homepage or something? I I no. I think I don't know. I wasn't sure. I never used it. I think I, you can go to Facebook. Got rid of it before I had a chance to. I think, I think you could attach it to social yeah, media. Because I think I've seen people do that, and then like before I was able to use it, it went away. Plus, I wasn't really into doing live stream stuff until literally recently, because I'm just I was I'm now used to talking to like people. So. <laughs> I'm used to using my voice. Yeah, <laughs> with other people it. watching. You're used to moving this thing and people and people watching it. I had I had fun with my I tried to do have fun with my Kickstarter videos for this one because it's kind of like a Tales of the Crypt kind of story I kind of took the role did you watch the video I did not watch the video I, I just video. I read your comic and yeah. uh, so so what I did was I kind of took the role of like a crypt keeper type guy I I was the motel owner nice. and I, I I look super weird I have pajama pants on and a tuxedo top and a bucket hat and I'm in front of a fireplace with my son's apple juice. So I'm just, I, I wanted to be as weird as possible. And I kind of, I kind of act like I'm introducing the story, like, like the Crypt Keeper. I just had a blast with it, you know, I was just, and it was, and I'm, I'm, I'm recording it and I'm dressed in all this getup in front of an open flame and I'm just super, super hot and sweating, but you can't tell that from the video. Just, it was just a good time. Nice. Yeah, for I'm our- pulling it up real quick here. <laughs> nice also when i type I, oh, I was curious did i typed in your name into google, the uh how do you say that the macabre motel you nailed it nice oh, okay okay good yeah so i almost said it wrong yeah i was making sure but ba basically uh yeah i typed that in and um a website called horror dna which i've never heard of that came up first like and it had a review of your comment that's uh that's james ferguson yeah he's a he's a good buddy of mine Nice. Uh, he, he reviewed it. He liked it, and uh, he, he. I think he just brought his podcast back. Nice. So yeah, that that came right up, and then the next thing was the Kickstarter. So that's pretty cool that people can just look that look that up. But yeah, I'm watching. I see you sitting there all awkward, <laughs> no shoes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my, my wife was like, "How come you don't have socks on?" I'm like, "I don't know." It was just. <laughs> it, it, it's funny without the socks. It's just like it's just like yes. There's <laughs> um. For our next issue of Chronicles of Horror, and probably after that, we're doing like motion trailers. So we're gonna, we actually have a guy that's on our platform. There's like one or two people that actually know how to do it, and um, I just pay him money, and then he does it. Yeah, that that's one of the things that that stops me from doing a lot of stuff is I don't want to pay people. To do yeah, I actually asked him, and he's like, "Oh, for like thirty seconds or something, it's like fifty dollars or something like that." And then it's like one to two minutes, it's like a hundred or something like that. I'm I mean, like, that's oh. not that's not. Bad. I'm like, oh, that's fine. Plus, like, I trust you. So. Yeah, yeah. I had um, so one of the the rewards I have is is a uh, I have a buddy of mine that did a theme song for the for the book because I can't I can't really make music, but I think a lot of people are doing that now, and I think it's super cool. And this is a, somebody that I've worked with in the past with a whole bunch of other stuff. So uh, he did a phenomenal job. You could kind of hear it a little bit. It's in the video. And then I have a 30 second preview of it uh, further on down the page. And I think I'm going to have him do that for like maybe all my projects in the future. Just kind of come up with some music. Just kind of, it's just another thing. I, 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 as you do more campaigns, you want to kind of, and you get comfortable with the standard of rewards and fulfillment and this and that. You want to try to find new ways to think outside the box and grow and expand and offer new things that didn't in the past. So yeah, um, one, one of those is uh, I have an early backer bonus for the for the keychain. The, the first top. hundred, yeah, I saw that. It's pretty cool. It, it, so it's the first hundred physical backers. So I, I had a message from a woman the other day. She was the one hundred seventh backer, and she goes, "I still want a keychain. Do you think somebody's not going to want it?" And I said, "Don't worry, it's the first hundred physical." 
and so you're still good which is kind of crazy because i think i've had like 90 physical backers out of 124 which is almost 70 like 75 percent or something which is which is a lot usually it's like 50 50 i was actually i was actually like kind of happy that in our uh seer chronicles kickstarter we just did we had only like 77 physical so that's better on shipping so (laughs) that's why i was like happy about that but there's like now 10 international people we're just growing like an international audience and i'm just like yeah that's cool it's just like shipping to you i i I agree it's shipping i mean i love when people all over the place want to grab my book especially if they're willing to, to, to fork over the extra money for the international shipping which is absurd but at the same time it's like i do not trust packaging a book and sending it to the post office and like shipping it to japan like i do not have confidence that it's i don't, I, I don't like the post office the post office before they even put it in, in the truck yeah <laughs> i've not... had people send me pictures they were like your package has arrived the books haven't but i have your package japan yeah that, that, would, that would definitely make sense <laughs> no this is I, i'm in new york and this guy was in new york too I, i'm like oh. you can't take it 40 miles to like without just Enjoying the book i've had people send me pictures with um tire marks on their package like they just ran it over in the truck and they're like oh whoops and then they throw it in the back like yeah so it's just the cost of doing business you just have to assume at least two or three packages are just you're just gonna have to replace yeah, just one, overhead what one of the ones that um or what one of the fun things i had happen was i had a box get shipped to me and I swear to God, it looked like somebody punted this thing because there was a broken hole in the side and the rest of the box was fine. So it's not like it fell and like, you know, got collapsed on itself. Just one puncture right through the side of it. And I'm like, did somebody just like punt this? I was like, what? They were like, all right, I don't want to walk the three feet from the sidewalk to the, the porch. I mean, the, the funny, what I thought was strange was the guy who got the package without the books inside. It was just, it was open. Like maybe they checked it and then they didn't seal it up and then it's I'm like why would the would the mailman just deliver an empty package like you take it out of your bag and you're just like I've, oh I've, I've gotten that I've in fact I've gotten two packages before um one where the box was clearly opened and checked and then I opened it and the only thing that was supposed to be in it was gone <laughs> and then another one I think was a set of books and it was in like those envelopes and it was already ripped open and put in my mailbox and I'm like uh, <laughs> when did that happen along the entire route? Since it was only with USPS, like for the for that particular one, I'm like, 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 who did that? Like, someone had to rip that all the way open, take them out, and then some <laughs> dumbass had to put it in my mailbox and be like, yeah, I guess you wanted an empty envelope. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it, I, the guy said, I'm gonna go to my uh, postmaster at the post office and file a complaint. I'm like. You could do that if you want. I don't really know what what you think is going to happen, but I'll just send you another book. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. And the the best is when you have um, backers that 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 like you enough and trust you enough that just say just say that's great. Thank you for sending me another one. Just put it in the package for your next campaign because I'm going to back it anyway. So that's it's always great when you have when you have uh, fans and customers that kind of that trust you enough like that. I just got stuff from Vistaprint like a week or two ago uh and i got these except they were like um rounded instead of square rectangle whatever and what, what got, were those i didn't even see those oh these are just the thank you card oh cool uh, i gotta and, start doing something and, like that and then i uh we got our menu <laughs> from our fictional restaurant oh that's pretty cool i was hoping it was going to be laminated but it's not so that sucks um i might put it within the comics so it's kind of stronger with the okay. board because of that. do they fit i mean can i look kind of um, big yeah if they don't then i guess i won't do that well it depends <laughs> on the size of the envelope even if they're bigger than the comics you could probably toss them in there and it'll give give support to it well i'm using like gemini mailers so i don't even know if that'll fit in one of those either so yeah so what's gemini trial um it's it's cardboard boxes that are they're designed oh, oh, oh. specifically for comics. They're yeah, they're yeah. great. They're just they they're expensive, right? Um, it was like seventy something dollars for two hundred of them, which is cheaper than what I was originally going to do. 
we were going to use uline.com. Shout out to uline now. <laughs> um, and there was like way more money. And I was like, ah, I'm not going to use that. I'm going to just use like the actual Gemini like comic supply website. So yeah, I got 200. Yeah, Gemini is definitely good. If somebody ever sends me a book in a Gemini, I save it. Oh, I yeah, I was doing that. And then there's just no room in my closet. So I, we just threw away like a bunch of shipping and stuff. Like, yeah, every um every uh podcast I'm, or stream I'm on, we always devote at least like ten to fifteen minutes just talking about the, the amount of cardboard boxes and bubble wrap that's just <laughs> taking up a corner in our house. Greg Greg knows I used to have a dining room that was like filled with that stuff, like unusable dining room, because I just used to keep all of those boxes. I'm like, I'm gonna need them, I'm gonna need them. And then I started selling stuff on eBay, so I did need them but I never sold nearly as much as I ever kept. And then when I moved, I'm like, I'm not keeping any of this. This is all going <laughs> away. And the only reason it was useful was for packing some of this stuff that I had. But outside of that, I was like, no, this garbage. My, my wife uh, orders a lot of Amazon and stuff. So I'm like, honey, I got 10 days left of that campaign. Better not be throwing out those boxes. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, that's it's, it's just one of those expenses that when you when you're selling comics for like five dollars a pop uh saving a dollar here and a dollar there it really it really goes a long way yeah and um what's cool about for our kickstarters is our website we have a like a drop shipping company for like shirts and stuff all that merchandise so any merchandise we have on our kickstarter i don't have to literally physically handle it <laughs> anymore i did it last last year i did that it actually came to me and then i shipped it to minnesota else i had to go and i'm just like i'm not doing that again yes because i had to like try to fit this like 3x large shirt into like a package like a priority mailer thing with comics and i'm like oh well it's it's definitely like secure do they charge you <laughs> extra for fulfillment like that um the lady at the post office because she was like just in shock of how many packages i had and she's like what is that i'm like these are comic books and she's and she was like asked starting to ask me the question. And then I started getting to the shirts, and I'm just like, and she's like, "What's this?" I'm like, "Comic books." She's like, "Oh, okay." And then she charged me for that. She charged me for that extra. <laughs> well, the, the 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 company that you're using to to ship them out do they do they charge oh. you extra to? Well, they, they, so the drop the way drop shipping companies work is they they, they cost a little bit more for uh, shipping and handling at a consistent rate, but the whole point is like you never have to keep inventory. So, for example, um, if you order like a shirt, it could be like four dollars shipping, which you know can be kind of expensive. Uh, but and, and the way that they kind of work is because they're meant to be one offs. Even if you order in bulk, like the discount for additional orders isn't. <laughs> isn't big so like if you order a shirt it's four dollars if you order two shirts it's four dollars and then two dollars for the additional shirt and for any additional shirt it's still two dollars for shipping even though it's not going to cost even a fraction of that for them so it's one of those things where the it, it's it makes it easier and less on us too so if something does go wrong we can then call a company and have it fixed kind of like renting versus owning your home like if there's an issue, it's not on us, so we can get it repaired without additional cost because we're paying a little bit more upfront. But we also account, like during our Kickstarter, we accounted for like, hey, what if everybody buys all of the stuff that we have that's gonna require us to ship and we include all the shipping in our goal so that this time, you know, we, we don't have to worry about, yeah, having to <laughs> go to ship it. And then suddenly it's like, oh crap, I forgot that it's like, you know, $37. That's um that's one of the things whenever I get one of those Kickstarter surveys, I always uh ask that I think I'm I might be the only person that asked this, but I want a feature to not have shipping charges inside of the funding goal. I want it to be something separate because if you if you think about it, that's that's money that's really already gone right before you get it, and they put it as part of your funding goal. So it's, it's, it's a little bit, that number is inflated as far as, as far as money that's going towards your project, which is. Yeah, that, that's literally why we, we use that as part that of our goal. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like we, yeah. we made the whole Excel sheet. We added up everything that we needed. Then we, then we put out like, okay. And when we supply people stuff based on this funding, this is what, what it's going to cost. How much is it going to ship? We added that. Then we had to add the 
10% or whatever that Kickstarter takes. And then from that, we're like, okay, let's round up to the nearest hundred dollars so that first off, it looks good. And second off, we'll have leeway in case there's an issue. Um, you know, so we ended up, uh, you know, this, this year was like, cause the first year, I think we ended up paying more money than we got from the Kickstarter to get everything out. So, you know, we already paid to get the comic made and then we also had to pay to get it shipped out. So we didn't, we didn't break even, but you know, we did get it into the hands of people, but this year we actually have enough extra that we can actually pay to finish the artwork with that money instead of just the, uh, you know, just Greg funding everything. The, the tricky thing with shipping is that it's hard to um, calculate the amount of backers you're gonna get. So like, if you have, let's say you have $50 of funding and it's a $50 tier, it's going to cost you what, five, three, five dollars to ship. As opposed to if that you have five people back at $10, that's the same $50, but you're going to have to ship five packages. See, we limited so every one of our Kickstarter items. So we knew exactly like if, if, if everyone bought all of them, that's what we planned for. So yeah. like we oh, did that, it in a way that like, we, we limited them. Like some of, some of the big ones, we limited to only like maybe five, right? So like if anyone was going to buy this one, we'd only give five. And like for this one, it's a, it's a pretty decent sized one, but based on our last one about how many people might buy it, we'll, we'll do a little less than that. And then we'll say like maybe 20. So no more than 20 for this one. And it worked out great because I don't think we hit the cap for any of them except. Oh, maybe... we, we hit the cap on the shirts. So uh, yeah. there's 10 shirts that were allowed to be given people yeah and, and it's cool too because by limiting it it also makes it a limited you know that limited time offer thing where it's like you know uh people want it because there's only one left right mm -hmm. so it actually helps it helps in pitching the slightly higher backings and it helps us calculate out our shipping so yeah it worked out great like we we have everything we have all the money that we need to pre-order everything and get it all set up and uh not have to worry about you know, yeah, being being short like ten bucks per person because of something we messed up on. That's great, and yeah, it's all Kickstarter is all about planning, man. You know, it's all about all the work is really done before you hit that launch point. You need everything in order, and and it's you don't want to be in panic mode either after the campaign because a lot of people think successful campaign ends when if you hit your funding goal, but that's just kind of that's just one step. It's just the beginning. <laughs> And they're, uh, we're actually changing our guidelines for Kickstarter stuff um, for the anthologies and all the other stuff for our platform because this one, it was kind of smooth because we got our goal in like the first day, but then there was just certain things were annoying. Like I was asking Matt and Hector and they're like, Matt is the one that wrote the anthology. And I was like, so what do you want for the stretch goals? And he's like, I don't know. I'm just like, do I have to come up with everything? I, I built the Kickstarter page and I'm promoting it. And he's like, I don't, I don't know. And I'm just like, okay. So I had to come up with an idea. And then like Hector's like, oh, what about like a sticker, like the Grave Digger sticker? Because he's like our Tales of the Crypt kind of Crypt Keeper type dude. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So he made a sticker. Hector just did so much work for this Kickstarter that we just feel bad. So like now it's going to be like, he's going to get less work now because just, it was too much on him because he does his job that he does uh, with Maui Studios and then he does this. Yeah, uh, great. Whenever I want to come up with like stretch goal ideas or reward ideas, I just start browsing projects and just yeah. seeing stuff I like. There, kind there of is an idea that I came up with. Um, these guys that are on our website called Covenant Comics and they came, like if they got a certain stretch goal amount, um, they unlock like a toy and it's like a little toy like figure of their um, crossbones character and I was like that's cool and I asked the guy that made it and I'm like oh how much is like one and he's like oh like the prototype is $50 and then each one after is 25 and I'm like I might that's... do that I might do that for like the next one and then Hector's like really no that's kind of cheap and then Matt is like yeah like I tried getting a toy of like a zombie character in his down by contact comic and it was like a shit ton i was like no no it's like 50 dollars and then 25 after he's like wouldn't that still be a lot like not if you limit it 
I mean, yeah. are you gonna you're gonna do it as a stretch goal or as a reward? It, it'll be probably it, it, like probably a stretch a, a reward that's released when reaching the stretch goal. Yeah, that yeah. that that's yeah. that's that's that makes sense. Because a stretch goal, I mean that that's actually that could is gonna tally up if you get a lot of backers. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> like I'm I'm happy if we only get 50 backers cuz we're at like 48 right now on that one. Because we don't have a horror audience like we've never done yet. anything. I oh, yes, yet. But um Ink apparently is horror and I was just thinking it was superhero based, but people were like, "Oh, I like how like you did like a horror comic with like superhero." Like, "Oh, sure. Yeah, I guess it's I guess it's horror." <laughs> okay. Yeah, kind yeah, kind of is. It was one of those things that like it wasn't intended to be it was, that was it's not that it wasn't intended to be. It's just like that wasn't the aim, and it mm-hmm. ended up being like that. And we're probably going to double down on that for like. Oh, months. the second issue I already wrote. It, it's it's creepy. Yeah. yeah, I uh, that happens a lot with my stories because when I when I'm writing, I kind of I don't really think about genre. I just think about the story that I want to tell, and whatever it falls into, it kind of falls into. So a lot of people have read this book, and they're like, you know what? it's not really a horror it's more of a thriller and i'm like okay i don't really care that doesn't i don't really care <laughs> like you know that's not that where it goes where it's classified as it's not really that important to me it's just uh but yeah a lot of people when i call I, i'm calling it a horror and a lot of people say that it is but it's it's horror is not really one thing it could be a whole bunch of different stuff so well then, I, if anything ours is like you know, either horror superhero or horror even like fantasy because it kind of gets a little, you know, mystic in that sense, you know, and so like, and, I, and that is the thing is like, unless it's a slasher, basically horror is just a scary version of some other genre, like that's all it is, like it typically overlaps something else, like yours is like a horror thriller, like it's, but like it, it's good to just know what it is so when you tell someone like you're marketing it, like that's about yeah. the reason it's important. I, I kind of, I describe it as app atmospheric horror you know it's not it's not meant to terrify you it's not meant to it's not meant to um, <laughs> be bloody gory in your face but it's supposed to uh create an overall sense of dread and when, when i was spo- talking to somebody sense of dread. So that's, yeah. like, that's a great pitch it's like it's not meant to like you know be you know bloody it's meant to just you know darken your soul it's like jesus like <laughs> <laughs> A word, a word that keeps coming back a lot. I've heard a uh, like a trio of people describe it as is unsettling. It's an unsettling. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's That's, yeah. And I was, I kind of, I gave that a thumbs up. So, but you know, when I was talking to somebody and we were just talking about uh, kind of other movies or stories or uh, books that this is kind of revolves around, something that popped in my mind was, was Beetlejuice. And it never really occurred yeah. to me. It never occurred to me that this is like a Beetlejuice influenced book. Yeah. But it's, it's like... Is Beetlejuice a horror? I mean, not really. It's it's yeah. a it's a comedy. It's like the Adams family. Yeah, yeah, but it's got like that quirkiness horror to it that yeah. that um has it's creepy. I think creepy might be the right word. It's like yeah, it's not quite scary. It's more like what the hell's going on? Like yeah, <laughs> like I could see Tim Burton doing a movie of your comic. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh. I can picture that being, you know, like uh, Pixar does shorts in the beginning of their movie. Yeah. I can picture it being a short in the beginning of a, of a, uh, like a made, like a big film. Yeah. Like, you, you just like, it makes you feel awkward. And then it's like, all right, time for the movie. It's like, oh, there was a movie. <laughs> the thing <laughs> so that's uncomfortable. <laughs> now, now that we got you all, all uh, in the right state of mind. Yeah, I think the thing in your comic that stood out to me was what kind of milk do you want? And then he's just like listing off different types of animal milk. <laughs> That's yeah, not cow that was, milk. That was one of the funniest, uh, the funnest part of this book was just, it's just so random that it gave me the freedom to just do things that didn't make sense at all. So I, I'm like, let me just start thinking of mammals that I could just throw into this line of dialogue that would, that would satisfy this. It didn't really have to make sense, but that was, that, that was, what was so f- awesome about this book is that it, when you write something grounded in reality, it's gotta be in reality. But this book is just so surreal that it just you could just throw stuff at the wall and it doesn't have to make sense. But it for this book apparently it does because if things doesn't make sense, it fits right in. <laughs> no, definitely nice. Well, thanks for coming on and telling people about your Kickstarter. And- 
Yeah. yeah it's great to meet you too. That's, yeah, definitely. I'm going uh, to put your Kickstarter link in the description too. So I, I appreciate that. This is a lot of fun and uh, it's a nice way to spend a Sunday before I'm going to go uh, watch some football. Nice. Well, where can people find you? What's, uh, what's the main, main place you want them to go? I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. My handle for all three is at Frank the Writer. And I have a website, frankthewriter.com, where you could sign up on my mailing list. That's kind of the best way to kind of keep track of my projects, my comings and goings. And yeah, Macabre Motel is still on Kickstarter until the 28th. So come and check it out. Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on. And uh, I'm going to stop recording now.